You are listening to the Photo Bomb podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photo Bomb podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Hey, hey, hey. I had to text you a little bit today, I had to put a little bit of a fire under you. Well, yeah. You are interfering <laughs> with my day drinking. I apologize. We needed to get the podcast done so that you can continue to feed your alcoholism. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's so rare that you have a day where, like, uh, well, this podcast will come out uh, Monday, which is President's Day. We're recording it on Sunday. But tomorrow, you know, the kids are off school. So Bobby doesn't have to get up in the morning. I don't have to get up in the morning. So around noonish, you realize, hey, I could be drinking. (laughs) You know, know? (laughs) I don't have to worry about what time I go to bed or what time I get up. So I could be drinking, and when are we doing the damn podcast? Because I would like to get started on that as soon as possible. I completely understand, um, uh, and so here, here we are. We're doing it right now oh. on uh, Sunday afternoon. In that, same, in that same vein, I had a wedding on Friday, a little four-hour wedding, beach wedding at a resort that uh, is known among the locals kind of as the party resort. Okay. Like the locals, you know, you got the, the resort that's great if you have kids, you have the resort, and this is the party resort. If you want to go to the resort on the beach where there's a party every night and live bands and all that kind of stuff, this is where you want to go. It's called Shepherds. So this is where the wedding was. And have, have you had those weddings where they book you and you never talk to the bride? Yeah, oh, definitely. It's like yeah. the bride's mom. And when that happens, what is your feeling going into the wedding as far as the bride? expectations when the mom handles everything i know i've done it a few times um and and, you know i don't really shoot many weddings these days but i have had that experience a few times and you know those actually been some of my favorite weddings when i'm dealing either with the planner or with the with the mother directly one of them was my like highest selling wedding of all time but i think that it just depends on the situation i've had weddings where the you know, the the bride or the groom, they're overseas serving in the military or they're stationed somewhere and they're not local, but they're getting married locally. So, you know, you deal with it all kinds. But I'm at the point now where I've shot so many weddings, I really don't need to have that warm, fuzzy, cuddly relationship no. with the bride and groom to no. shoot the I wedding properly. No. no, I don't even have it either. But, but what I've found is a lot of times, uh, if you never deal with the bride, you what you've got there is a bride who really doesn't care. You know what I mean? Like you get a bride who, and it's not a not a bad bride, just a bride who really is not over the top concerned about the photography. Her mother is concerned about the photography, and so the bride was like, "Mom, okay, mom, you take care of it then." All right. A lot of you, times you, you that's better though because you know the mom is going to buy the pictures. It might buy right. a better album or whatever. Right, but it can be a, it can go both ways. You can have a bride who isn't you know you can't get her to cooperate, and then you can have the bride who just doesn't care. She's happy to cooperate, but she's not stressed about the pictures at all, which is which great. is great. Yeah, which yeah. Is Fantastic. So this particular bride, uh, you know, because at one point when the sun was getting down, I'm like, let's go. We've got to do these pictures. And and um, and I was and I said, now I said, now, do you want this or do you want this? And she looked at me and she goes, I really don't care. I really just don't care. I was like, okay, good to go. But here's you know, when I was new, I would have loved I would have hated that. But now I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. Right. Uh, But here was the best part. Um, They had their little reception, like 35 people. And. The bride couldn't get a drink because she didn't have her ID. 
Now, this is funny because it's hosted at the resort. The resort's set up the bar for them and all of that sort of stuff. And yet the bartender still won't give her a drink without ID. And I would, I would hope maybe that would have been worked out when she booked. But okay. So now the they're trying to find... can't get a drink at her own wedding. At her own wedding, she can't get a drink. So they're trying to find her ID and everything. And she's, you know, she's standing and she comes over to me. She's like, I haven't had a drink yet. I haven't had a drink. And, you know, I'm trying to just keep everything calm all the time. And I said, oh, I go, it was, it was early. I go, oh, it's, it's early. I go, it's early. You have plenty of time. By 10 o'clock, you're going to be hammered anyway. So, you know, you've got plenty of time. And she leaned over and whispered to me, like in a conspiratorial, well, not conspiratorial, consp- conspiracy. Conspiratorial. Thank you. Say that again. Conspiratorial. Thank you. A conspiratorial term. She leaned into me and she goes, we're professionals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, it's okay you haven't had a drink yet. And she looks at me, we're professionals. <laughs> it's not okay that we haven't had a drink yet. <laughs> we need a drink right now. You got to appreciate that kind of honesty. You really do. We're professionals. We're professionals. Yeah, so we are professionals, absolutely. I thought that was pretty good. I'm surprised, you know, it's okay if you wanted to have a drink right now, boo, you know. No, no, I, I, uh, I never drink alone. You never drink alone? Yeah, like if we were having a a beer podcast, which is certainly uh, we've done in the past, that would be good. But I would never want to be on a podcast where I was having a drink and you weren't having a drink. I would. I I've would got beers in the fridge right here at the I studio. Have, well, no, it's too late now, Gary. Why you didn't tell me that before we started rolling? <laughs> yeah, well, it's you know, it's funny. Like Friday night is usually like my night to go out. That's Daddy's night out, you know. So like Julie stays home, I go out with the guys, and that's my one night. That's it. And then, and so usually the rest of the weekend, I'm pretty chill, you know. But, I, you know, it is such a nice day out today. And, and for our listeners in the rest of the country, it's like 78 and sunny with a cool breeze coming in off the ocean. Like, it's an amazingly gorgeous day to wear. The perfect day to go out on a boat or to sit in your driveway and drink a beer, whatever it is that you do to relax. Sit by the pool. And uh, for those of you that are freezing, I'm really sorry, but uh, yeah, don't we worry. Are, when, we are completely spoiled. Yeah, yeah but when when August comes, we'll hate ourselves, and you'll be having you'll have the weather that we have right now, and then we'll all be dying. So yes, yes, right on. So what else is going on this week? You posted a link on the Facebook page to a story about a photographer who has sleep paralysis. Yeah, I remember that one. If you want to see that, just follow along. That's on the on the Photobomb Facebook page. Yeah, it's the guy who uh, created the images of um, uh, to basically help him deal with the. With his sleep paralysis, and sleep paralysis is basically when your body goes to sleep, but your brain stays awake, so you basically can't move your body. So it's this really terrifying condition that some people suffer with. And there's this photographer that, uh, let me see if I can find that article. Please don't post that stuff anymore. No? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it just creeped me out. (laughs) It's an article from Bored Panda about this photographer, Nicholas Bruno, and he uh, has created all these really creepy and cool images um, for uh, to that help him. Uh, basically, it's sort of like his way of dealing with what sleep paralysis is like. Yeah, this is really creepy. Like like uh, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, you know, children that the hills have eyes. It's just creepy. I mean, yeah, the more I looked uh, at him, the more creepy. I really did not want to look at him. Yeah. Great. Work. I, I thought they're so imaginative, yeah. and what it looks like. The majority of the work is being done and staged in camera, which I really like. Right. So it's not necessarily if it's compositing, it's really good compositing. I mean, it look it's just very, very creative. There's like the 
on a bed floating in the water with like guys in suits and bags over their head trying to climb up on the bed and stuff like it's crazy creepy but how imaginative and cool i kind of want to write to him and ask him to enter some of that into a print competition see what happens i think that'd be really cool yeah i would be Um, i would be curious to see uh how something like that would work in print competition because most of it appears to be done in camera there isn't a whole lot i would tell you you know as as a judge i would uh definitely uh i would be scoring this stuff pretty high a lot of it i mean it's pretty incredible there's a couch on fire and it looks like the couch is on fire yeah yeah it could very well be on fire yeah it is really really cool yeah i just and you know it's it's i've never i got a lot of respect for people that do this i've never gone out to take pictures to sort of deal with a personal issue or a demon or, or use photography as a direct sort of artistic expression of a specific thing I've, you know what i mean and i feel like i've never put that much thought into my work like i've always had <laughs> we all, you know we all can tell you've never put that much thought into your work Gary. oh <laughs> nice nice yeah well you know that's that's what they say um, you've never used it as a cathartic process for working through your issues is what you're saying right exactly like i you know we may i, I do what work comes in i work on commissions and then you know i've never been struggling with something and then said you know, man, I really want to make pictures about it. Right. You know what I mean? Or create art to, to help me process it. You know, I guess I just don't process stuff that way. And I guess I don't really have that sort of artist mentality or whatever. But I, I got a lot of respect for it. I think the work is the work is gorgeous and really haunting, which is really cool. I thought that would be a cool story. But um, if you don't want me to put mean and scary things on the Facebook page, <laughs> I can soften it up for you a little bit there. No what problem. What I do like is uh, I find that a lot of uh, our photography brethren uh, – brethren – they deal with their issues over their desires to see women in bikinis by photographing lots of women in bikinis. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah, that's a common problem. It's plaguing, plaguing you know, photographers all over the world. Photographers yeah, all the I mean, time. The, just... guy, the men photographers who are, I'm looking for bikini models for a model shoot. And I think, what, what's that for other than the fact that you just like to take pictures of women in bikinis? I... I... <laughs> I think it's perfect. It's some. It's really you know. You go to any any workshop or camera club thing, and it's that's that's what they want to do is they want to get models and throw them in a pool or whatever. But hey, that's totally fine. Who doesn't like to take a picture of good looking people, men and women? I, I the better looking, happier I am. I love when I get good looking clients, and uh, man, especially if the uh, sight unseen and they walk into the studio and it's somebody gorgeous, and you just go, this is going to be easy. Although I had yeah. a really interesting experience this week. I had two shoots right back to back. And the first one was a beautiful young girl and doing photos for her. And I struggled with it because as it came around to it, even though somebody might be attractive in person, they're not always easy to photograph. Do you know what I mean? And so, and then the next client came in and she was, you know, um, you look at her and she's not necessarily overtly gorgeous. Like you go, wow, oh my gosh. But then um, when you get her on the other side of the lens, you just, she was just dynamite. She, you know, just started, you ever photograph anybody like that? Yeah. Well, yeah, both ways though. Don't you also have people who you photograph? You're like, oh, this is a cute, a cute person or what? And and then you photograph it and you look at the back of your camera, you're like, oh my God, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah you, like, you're like, and you 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 don't realize how ugly they are until you see their picture. <laughs> yeah, I, I, feel, I feel that way about you all the time. <laughs> it works both ways. Yeah, yeah, it's really, no, it's really, it's really an interesting but it, phenomenon. But it was funny. Like, I feel that so much of the way when I shoot that I'm so influenced by my uh, by my mood 
you know, or how I feel. Like in my, I'm, if I'm in my own head, the pictures aren't as good. And when I'm having fun, the pictures are better. And you know, I do what I respect a lot about most, you know, good working photographers is that they don't necessarily get to pick their clients. When somebody posts a picture of someone you know is probably difficult to shoot and to make them happy, to make them look good, I really like that. When somebody's posting amazing issue, uh, you know, images of a gorgeous model per, with a with a stylist, and they're those are great. But at the same time, it's like you you can't you can't throw a rock at a photography convention and not hit that person. Yeah, and, and it's so, not, and and admittedly not hard to do. Here's the thing: if you're going to shoot the bikini model with the stylist and the hair and makeup, then it needs to be flawless. I mean, because you're already starting at yeah at the at the you know ten feet from the finish line. In yeah, my exactly opinion. right. So people, when people put that stuff up, I'm like, no, her hand's not quite right, her hips aren't turned quite. I, I, I will pick it apart because you're already starting with something that's so easy to begin with. You're not going to get any leniency from me. I'm surprised. Uh, I just looked at the Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit issue, and um, I'm surprised at how unimpressed I am with the photography a lot of the times. I don't mean to be right now. There's a Sports Illustrated photographer who's listening to this, going, "What the hell do you think you're doing?" Telling me I don't know. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that that style of photography, especially in Sports Illustrated, uh, has become very, I, I, I think, much more natural lightish and much more. It's really just about this is a beautiful woman, as opposed to we're going to put three scrims on this and two lights and you know. Uh, it doesn't look like, you know, maybe they still are doing that stuff, but the photography doesn't look like they're doing that stuff. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's it's funny to say that one of my least favorite, photo, you know, ma- things to see is uh, is that what the magazine covers are like in the in in the checkout aisle. But like, yes. if you want to see avant garde and and cutting edge photography, it's not going to be on the cover of Marie Claire. It's going to be no. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be flat lit on a white background with plenty of room for, you know, the 15 ways to make your man want to have sex with you again and then the th- 13 recipes for boysenberries or something like that. You know, it's like mm. they're going to be like <laughs> mm, boysenberries. boysenberries. Yes. The one food you didn't know was making you fat and all that stuff. Yes. You're like they're all going to have, you know. So, I mean, they're selling a different thing and the, most of the people don't ever consider or care or think about the yeah. photography. I'm you telling know, you, uh, Vanity Fair, Hollywood Reporter, Wired Magazine. Those are the three magazines where you will see the most interesting photography. Mm. And I have and, a subscription to Vanity Fair specifically because of photography. Yeah. So and good. Hollywood Reporter is the same way because Hollywood Reporter is always doing, we gathered these six actors together for a roundtable discussion, and then they photographed all six of them together. I love those. So you get to see a great example great. of six people photographed all at once, posed and lit perfectly, you know, the same sort of stuff that you see on the cover of Vanity Fair a lot of times. Um, and so I really, I very much uh, enjoy those three magazines just for the photographs. And then Wired does interesting, just like, oh, we're doing a picture on on revolutionary toilets. And so we're going to photograph a toilet in a revolutionary way, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, I mean, just <laughs> with the lid down, Yeah, well, just that stuff where you're like, <laughs> wow, you know, the guy who sat back and said, hey, here's an idea for how we can photograph this toilet and then built a set <laughs> and did it. Yeah. You're just like. I couldn't do that if my life depended on it. Well, he melted down the swords of a thousand defeated enemies there you go. And, and built them into a throne around the toilet tank. There the game, of, the game of Thrones toilet. That's how I would. That's how I would do it. Well, well they, they, did a session, they did a session with Brad Pitt once where uh, they photographed him in a bunch of different uh, areas. They photographed him uh, at uh, urinals in a bathroom. They photographed him uh, in uh, a theater in the seats of a the- you know of an empty theater. Uh, they photographed him someplace else in a room, and they completely built the sets for every single one of them. You, wow. I, you look at the pictures, you assume that they just went on location. No, Brad Pitt gave them like one hour. 
he showed up and they had built complete sets and they just put him in each set, shot him, and, and took him out. How much do you think that costs to build, um, you know? But I guess if you're going to get Brad Pitt for the cover of your magazine, it's worth spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 for sets. Or oh, yeah, I guess. And how, many, and how many people who read the magazine really appreciate the amount of work that goes into it? Not many, but, the, but what's great about Wired is that in a case like that, they did a little side story on that. They showed the sets. And what they had done to do it. That's one of the great things about Wired is that they really respect photography as an art form. And so when they do something really interesting with, with, with photography or whatever, they'll talk about it. They'll explain it. They'll show how it was done. You know, they, they, uh, so I really, I really enjoy it for that. A lot of the stories are hard to keep up with because they're over my head, but <laughs> photography is cool. <laughs> hey, listen, um, we're not Nikon shooters, but uh, what, no. happened, what happened with Nikon this week? Yeah, this is an article that's interesting. It came, I saw it on Petapixel. Um, and this came out on the four, on Valentine's Day, and it, this was this would have been the day that the uh, last week's episode premiered, and it was um, Nikon stock plummets fifteen percent after quote extraordinary loss bombshell. So basically, it says fifteen percent of the stock was hit with during the last nine months of twenty sixteen. During that period, Nikon saw losses of twenty nine point seven nine billion yen, which is about two hundred sixty million dollars mainly coming from restructuring costs and from Nikon's semiconductor lithography business. So they what have the hell is that? Of, I, I, <laughs> what's, lith- what's lithography? Uh, well, let's go ahead and look up. You can, no, now. you continue telling the story, and I'm going to look up lithography. Okay, you go ahead and do that. Um, so essentially, they put out a memo to their shareholders, and it said uh, it's, it was a notice of recognition of extraordinary law. So they're basically like, we know we're spending a lot of money. It's not necessarily um, – stocks are always about expectation and fear and uncertainty. So if they, they put out a letter that said, we know we're losing money at the moment. It doesn't necessarily mean that the, the company is going out of business or anything. It means that they're spending a lot of money on something that may very well later pay off. But when you make an announcement like that and it goes public and you put out a memo, then – you know, it could really hurt the value of a stock to the tune of 15%. So it says their market capitalization fell from $6.6 billion to $5.6 billion. About a billion dollars in value was erased from Nikon's stock portfolio in a single day. Wow. A billion dollars gone because they put that memo out. Now, that being said, they had to say something because you got to be responsible to your shareholders or whatever, but like, absolutely unbelievable loss a billion dollars in a day is and that's but overall isn't, but that's, isn't that's, that just a paper loss i mean if if you came to me tomorrow and told me that my company is worth half what it was worth yesterday it, it wouldn't affect me at all i mean does it affect a company like that it, it i mean it doesn't it only affect you if you're selling the stock the day after the loss um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, this is definitely above my pay grade as far yeah. as my, uh, my, the degree that I don't have in economics, but you know, the, what it increases the company's op, uh, decreases their operating capital, decrease, it can decrease their, their credit rating. It can really hurt. And it comes on the back of also in November, Nikon, uh, th- fired, a or had to let go, I guess, uh, announced that they were firing a thousand people through a quote voluntary retirement program, but essentially it looks like they are either spending a lot of money getting ready to ramp something up, or they are kind of uh, pulling back a little bit and maybe going to narrow the focus. I'm not really sure what it's about. I don't think that you're going to see the brand go away or anything, but you certainly might start to 
um, you might start to see some uh, some different things coming out, like less number of products closing down product lines. I'm not really sure, but maybe this whole lithography thing will pay off. What are you what, what were you able to to glean from your Google lithography, search? Lithography is the process of printing from a flat surface, treated so as to repel the ink, except where it is required for printing. It's an ancient process of, of printing using a flat stone. I don't think that's what they're doing. I'm thinking the second definition, which is an, an, an analogous. Well, I can't talk today. Method for making printed circuits. So I'm I'm guessing that it has to do with making printed circuits. No, I'm pretty much going to go with the flat rock the flat thing. stone. I, I really I really like that. <laughs> I got I mean, like the new you, you can your own, your own rock. flat rock in your home. Beautiful prints in your home with our flat rock <laughs> printing technique. With the logo chiseled into the side of the rock, <laughs> like like a BC. <laughs> yeah. Look, and, and and you know, just because we're not Nikon shooters doesn't mean we we wish any bad things to happen in the company. That's ridiculous. I'm not into the competition necessarily between. Them. No, we're talking I about don't people's care. jobs, people's investments. We're talking about a lot of serious stuff here. But in the photography world, we can only speculate on because well, Nikon doesn't make nearly as many products as a company like Canon is. Canon makes everything from calculators to printers and paper and I mean they make a, they're a much bigger company that make a lot more types of things where Nikon really it makes cameras and lenses and glass for the most part. You know, it doesn't make a whole lot of stuff by comparison. So, you know, when you're talking about we might start to see less products uh or less um you know, longer intervals between uh, uh, new versions of products. I'm not really sure, but definitely something we want to keep an eye on. And I, like I said, I doubt with a name like that, there's zero chance that they're going to like go out of business. Even if they declared bankruptcy, you know, they could restructure whatever debt they might have, and somebody would come in with money and reinvigorate the company. You I know, always think is- it's interesting in a case like this too, how they have a a quarter where they lost $230 million and the stock drops and is, and it's mass hysteria, dogs and cats living together. And yet a startup company is gaining investors every day and everyone's excited about it. And they will go five, six years losing millions every year. Like Facebook didn't make any money. Yeah. Twitter, you Facebook, know, a lot of the companies time. made no money. They're just constantly yeah. losing money and the stock is going up. You know, on the hope or the promise that it will make money down the road. But once yeah. you start making money, you can never stop. You can never then go back to that place. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty unbelievable. I'm not really, you know, again, not an uh, economist of any kind, and I I know very, admittedly, very little about it. Like, just blown away that something like Instagram, when it first came out, I think it wasn't even a, was it even around a year, and then Facebook bought it for like four billion dollars, and it never made a dime. And never made a dime. Four, like, can you? I would. I want to do that. Like the code for something <laughs> like that can be written over a weekend. You know, in the original version. If you think about all the stuff that Instagram does right now, uh, and what it, it did nothing by comparison when it first right. came out. Well, Facebook was simply buying access to their user base. That's all yeah. they were buying. They're just and, buying and they were also stamping on a possible competitor. So this yeah. is you yeah. Know, well, and, that, and that's a big part of it. How much is it willing to pay? Are you willing to pay to keep to make us disappear? Basically, I'll give you. I'll you, I'll take your four billion dollars. I'd pay Absolutely. a lot to make you disappear. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Give Give me about ten minutes, and I'll do that for you for yeah. free. I'm no just problem. saying. Then I can move right on the Orlando headshot market. Oh boy, yeah. Well, there's believe. Come on in. There's plenty, plenty of work to go hey, around. In a side thing, along the same, uh, but not photography related, I heard a story that uh, Warren Buffett's company, Berkshire Hathaway, is divesting itself of its Walmart stock. You know, you got something to be worried about when Warren Buffett starts to sell off all of his stake in you. 
Yeah, he's pretty much, when it comes to money, about the smartest guy on earth. Well, uh, they said, you know, Walmart's been having some problems because uh, their online retailing thing has not ramped up as big as they needed to ramp up in order to compete with Amazon. And, you know, they've made changes lately. Now they're offering, like, free shipping, free two-day shipping on stuff that you buy from their website. They're trying to compete against Amazon as much as they can. And, of course, they're trying to play catch-up now and, you know, with Amazon, and you're not going to catch Amazon. And uh, so Buffett said he doesn't see it as a good long-term prospect, and he's starting to pull out. And they said, well, you know, what if they turn it around? And Buffett said, name me any retailer in America that has ever gone into a slide and then turned around. Montgomery Wards, yeah. Kmart, name, name a J- retailer. J.C. Penny That has ever recovered and turned around and become dominant again from a slide. And I thought, I, you know, I don't, I don't think there is one. Yeah, they've closed a lot of stores, um, you know. And, and, you know, I've never been a fan of Walmart in general. I'm one of those people that, you know, they, they basically they move into a town and then they do everything so much cheaper. And then, you know, they put every, all these other places out of business. And, and then they don't the pay pe- their employees enough money. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah, absolutely. No, I'm you know I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of how they do business. I think that the company obviously has a right to exist, and you know I just don't like a lot of their practices when it comes to their employees. And in general, it's like if I can if you can first of all, there are plenty of people who shop at a place like that because they don't have a choice because they have to find the least expensive thing that they can find. And I got no problem with that whatsoever. I feel like though, if you can shop small if you can shop local you should so you know if i can instead of going to the home depot i'll go to my locally owned ace hardware store down the street or bob's hardware or something like that if i have to you know you know shop somewhere i'll shop somewhere local as much as i possibly can but you know it all comes down to my parents are small business owners i'm a small business owner you know and and putting sort of my money where my mouth is but i feel like so many people have feel that way that it's part of the reason why they're having trouble you know, the problem really, is it's getting harder to find a place like that to go. Yeah, Radio Shack has gone out of business, and and that's me. I and also I, this is just an aesthetic thing. I'd rather go into a small store where you can park close to the entrance and pop in and get what you need than have to go to a Home Depot because I need a light bulb. Yeah, it's an ordeal. Like, yeah, it's yeah. a huge deal, right? <laughs> so I'd rather go to a, yeah. to a little Ace Hardware than a Home Depot. I'd rather go to Radio Shack than Best Buy. You know, if I need a if I need a cord for a microphone, I'd rather be able to pop into Radio Shack and get it than go to Best Buy. The bad news is Best Buy is where you go when you want a two thousand dollar TV, and that's yeah. how they and that's how they crush you know folks like Radio Shack. Well, you know what I've been experimenting with this last week. We just got in our area Amazon Prime Now. Have you done this? Have you done? We have in our Prime area. Now? I haven't actually used it yet, but I've heard that it can be pretty incredible in terms. It's of, have, un- you actually, have you actually done it? Freaking believable. Okay, so this is my Valentine's Day. I was in the studio on Valentine's Day working because I had a couple of photo shoots, and then um, I was sitting here at the computer and I said, "You know what? I'm going to check out this Prime Now thing." And I ordered uh, presents for Julie and presents for Ellie, my two year old, for. Uh, Valentine's Day, and they arrived. At, I got home from work about five o'clock, and uh, and I had ordered them about uh, two o'clock and scheduled a delivery between four and six. And I got them, you know, everything delivered. I sat down on the couch, and then ding dong, and there's oh, honey, your Valentine's Day present is here. It was such great timing. But wow. I've ordered. They've got for photography purposes. I've ordered USB cables, memory cards. I ordered hard drives. Like there's all kinds of really great stuff that you can get delivered. So, for example, let's say that you've got you get up in the morning and you start getting your gear together for a wedding, and you just realize that um, you know you your memory card's damaged and your new memory card. Does they do delivery in two hours? So if your wedding's at two o'clock and it's it's ten a.m., you can get your stuff, whatever you need. Within two hours, if you have Amazon Prime now in your area, which is really cool. So I've been and the prices are 
still comparable. It's still great, but you know, I think that you tip. You can tip the driver through the website or whatever when you order something, you, and, and that's pretty much it. So there's just a tip involved, which is oh, the extra charge. Oh, with the tipping. Yeah, well, so, uh, just know. just tell me what I owe. Just please tell me. What I owe. <laughs> Well just, then, give me, just tell give me a five dollar a five dollar delivery charge, right? Fine. Yeah. Just tell me how much I have to pay and stop with everybody with the tipping. I'm okay. just I'm so over the tipping, Gary. And, okay, we've had we've had several rants on this before. I get it. <laughs> I love to use so, Uber yeah. because there's no tipping, and then I used Uber, and the guy had to sign in his car. Tips are appreciated, and I'm like, yeah, I appreciate him too. Would you like to give me a tip? I, I'm yeah. just saying. Why? Oh, with the tipping. Okay, we're not. They're going not there. supposed to ask. That's for sure. But hey, uh, so anyways, I can understand the whole uh, Walmart thing because the Amazon is so stinking convenient. And if and I like to shop local if I can. But hey, speaking of, uh, we were talking about headshots a minute ago. I want to give a shout out to uh, some people here uh, um, that I met. They uh, on Instagram. I just found this studio out of Canada called One Tree Studio, and they do a lot of what I do. It's like these large scale corporate headshots. They have this really great promo video, and they're doing some really cool stuff and innovative stuff to like deliver photos to the clients like right there on the spot in these high volume situations and anyway so i i said you know what i I really dig what they're doing i'm gonna message them so i messaged them through instagram they got back to me right away and uh and and they had actually seen one of my creative live class and they knew who i was and 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 i and i was like man i really dig what you guys are doing um i I gotta ask you how are you doing this and this because that looks really cool and they and he said, I'm going to send you an email with all that info, man. Thanks for getting in touch. Like, just the generosity of it was really cool. You know, you expect sometimes photographers or people in the indus- different industries to be, like, closed off. Like, they don't want to share their secrets. But they were super generous, like, right away, told, you know, help well, me out. Of course out they were super generous. The world-famous Gary Hughes headshot professional sent them an email. They were over the friggin' moon. He, he's, he's calling, oh, my God, Gary Hughes emailed me. He would have now, I, I would access tell you what, to his I, wife for the weekend if you had asked him. You're Gary Hughes. If they I were... Nuts. If I were these guys, it would have been more exciting as if I had contacted them. (laughs) If I'm telling you what, if I were these guys and I got contacted by me, I would go, why are, you know, and because they've got it so down. It looks like you should, I'll send you the link to the video. They've got it so down. That um, they, I can imagine them watching me teaching a class and going, "Why is why is he teaching us? Why aren't right. we teaching the class?" They have they got a really cool system. Anyway, really nice people. Of course, they are they're Canadian, but uh, you know, just wanted to say thanks to those guys at One Tree Studio in Canada for uh, for being cool and helping me out. Yeah, but there is a certain legitimacy that comes with having done done any teaching. Once someone sees you teach a class, suddenly you are. I don't know, you're just legitimized a little bit more than if you're just a guy they're talking to at the bar who's also a wedding photographer, which is totally bogus. Like, yesterday I was a wedding photographer like you, but because I taught a one-hour class or whatever at Imaging USA, suddenly I've, you know, my opinion carries more weight. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't carry a bit more weight. <laughs> I guess if there's the assumption of that you're going to qualify people, I don't know. Yeah, but, but it's true. If you, if you get up and speak in front of people, then suddenly you're an expert. You know. Yeah, well, there's the assumed authority that you get from having yeah. somebody decided to put you on a stage, you know what I mean? So they what must know that? what they're doing. And let me tell you, they don't know what they're doing at all. They need someone, and you're there. <laughs> so Boo Ray has no idea what he's doing. I have absolutely no idea. I am no, I am no more qualified uh, to teach what I do than anyone else who does what I do. I said this to somebody the other day. I said, you know, there's a reason why... That there are there are people that are better at what I do than I am, but there's a reason why I'm teaching it 
um, is because not because I'm the best at what I do. I said, but I am good at communicating. Yes, that's the you only know, thing that qualifies us the, to teach is the fact that we're good talkers. Right. If you can communicate an idea that's going to help people, somebody will put you on stage. There are people regularly in the audience when we give a presentation that are like hands down, you know, more expert oh. at oh, the area yeah. of the oh, thing that we're yeah. teaching. Oh, but yeah. it's uh, but it is it is it is it is unique to find someone who does the thing well, but also communicates and can teach other people how to do it. It was so much easier back in the day when I didn't know anyone, and so when I would do something, I assumed that everyone in the audience was new, and now. I'll go to do something and I'll look out in the audience and be like, oh, there's a guy who's better than I am. <laughs> you mean there's all those yeah, people that are better than Yeah, me. there's several guys who are better than me. <laughs> hey, this, so uh, This is I going wanna, to be embarrassing. Speaking of people that are better than us, I want to read a couple of things. Uh, we got had a couple of people get in touch with the show this week and leave comments and messages about stuff. The first one was down here from last week. We had a comment about last week about uh, Bure-Ray. Um, butt wiggling on the owner of LuLaRoe <laughs> on the cruise. And uh, so, yeah, we had a funny comment about that. It was from uh, Karen Bengal. She says, um, interesting hearing your thoughts on outsourcing, but Bure's butt wiggle story made me laugh out loud on the train. Love it. So thanks, Karen, for that comment. That's a nice message to it's get. Really, to it's that. really a great story. It's it's, uh, it's endearing and heartwarming, I think, on many levels. It's a feel I just good, can't it's a feel get good the, movie the of picture the out of my head of you wiggling yeah. your butt on it someone in a It is a feel-good movie line. of the summer. And if you knew this woman with her big hat and her southern drawl and her strict Mormon ways, and they, they don't make tank tops, Gary, because they're too revealing. So, you know, this is a woman who absolutely does not deserve to be butt-wiggled. Uh, by Bure in the line at the buffet on board the Carnival cruise ship. And uh, I apologize on behalf of myself and my family and any future descendants for uh, having treated you. <laughs> you brought shame on all the, yes, all the and families yes, from yes. I have cast a butt shame on my entire line, much <laughs> like, a, like a Japanese ronin that has been distanced from you have the no clan. master now. Yes. You're just a wandering, wandering warrior. Yes. My sword has been snapped in half, and I have been sent off into the wilderness now to defend they small only, villages. They only left and... you with the little sword. Like you get the, they yes. break the big one, and now the you're Harikari get that sword. Way. I have to fall. I have to kill myself now after having <laughs> behaved in that way. But you won't, because you're you're just. I'm you're a coward, Gary. You're a coward. I'm a coward. I will do my best to not butt wiggle anyone in the future, but uh, I cannot take my own life. I, I, you know what? That's okay. I'll do it for you later. Oh, hey, I, I wanted to that. point out something else from the Facebook page. Um, uh, a friend of mine, his name's Jim Hobart. He runs a studio out of Orlando called Macbeth Macbeth Studio. And um, he has a really cool thing he's been doing. He does pr- some product and commercial photography. He's kind of all over the place as far as uh, in town. Everybody kind of knows him. He's a um, really good guy, great marketing person, um, But he's and, and really good with tech. He's come up with this really neat system. Um, he has a client, for example, that he shoots products for. They make uh, handbags and wallets and basically leather crafts. And so Jim will be in Orlando, will be doing a product shoot and has set up a way using an app and uh, Dropbox. And he basically shoots and the client is in New York getting the images live as he's shooting them. And it's really cool. Um, he's got a, we got a video we posted on the, on the Photobomb Facebook page if you go on there. And it's, uh, he's got a really cool system, and there's an app called Shuttersnitch. And so what, uh, what it does is it basically uses an iFi card and Shuttersnitch on an iPad. The images will go to Shuttersnitch, and then that automatically, Shuttersnitch has the ability to sync it with a Dropbox. So his client's got the Dropbox ready on his computer, and as he's shooting, he's getting the images. And so he can text, be like, hey, let's try that image again with 
you know, less glare on the bag or whatever. And so he's able to do basically get a almost live shoot with a client for product photography doing distance. And so I feel like there's some cool applications that people can use for that. Um, but just a really neat way to work with clients remotely if if you're shooting stuff and you want to have somebody to be able to see what you're shooting as you're doing it. So just some pretty cool ideas. And there's a whole – he produced a um, a whole like three-minute or so video that I reposted onto our Facebook page if you want to go check that out. It's a really cool system. He's I definitely want to check that out because now I'm I'm thinking, okay, yeah, for what he's doing, you've got a guy in New York who needs to see the products. And instead of flying in, he can just you know be on the phone or and looking at the pictures. But now I'm also thinking uh, – what about when you're teaching? Like when I when I came to Orlando, I was shooting and I was having it go straight to an iPad, which I was then having Savannah hold up and show it to everybody. But what if in addition to doing that, it was automatically going to a Dropbox page and I shared that link with everybody in the audience before you know I started? So right, that you added you, everybody's email to yeah, Dropbox, so, or, so, so everybody's if you getting want, yeah, image so, on their yeah, Well, you could just do a public link, you know, or make it open. I think so that anyone on their phone or their pad can pull up every image as it's being shot. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So if you so say you're moving around a location, right? You're going outside, so it's not like you can send it to a big screen. You know, so you're going you're going outside to do a live shoot. Well now you're shooting and everything you're shooting is going to everybody's cell phone. Yeah, that's pretty rad. That's actually a good idea, right? Yeah, no, that's awesome. What a cool cool application for that. Yeah. So I think it's um you know, a pretty cool thing that's worth uh, worth checking out. And there is um, one more thing. We got a message from the, um, on the page from pulling that up now from Amanda Wilson, a uh, fan of the show, longtime listener, and she was uh, interested in starting. She's in Western Pennsylvania. I think she's in Pittsburgh, and she's interested in how to start a PPA affiliate group. Um, and so I think that that was kind of a cool question, like, cause she basically wants to have a group of photographers like we have in Orlando and Tampa where you get together every month and then you, you know, maybe have a workshop or a class and then teach, you know, share a network with photographers. I know that our local affiliate group is really, we're, we're really pretty close. We all work for each other. We all help each other out with gear. We all help each other out with jobs and, and um, whenever we need to hire anybody, we're almost always hiring somebody from inside the group because it's people that we know and trust. And it's just a really cool thing to have a local group like that. And some areas don't have one. And it is possible to sort of start your own. Basically, you can take a meet, meet, you know, any kind of a meetup group and, and sort of transition that into being something that is affiliated with PPA, which essentially means that you get access to PPA's email list uh, 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 for certain things, and you have access to uh, merits that you can give to speakers for words and degrees, and there's all kinds of cool stuff and, and resources that they give to their affiliates, which are pretty cool. So we're, I, think we're need, go, I think all you need is 10 PPA members. Right. I think you have to have a group that exists for a year already. And then um, on top of that, here we go. Here's the affiliate handbook. I'm going to post a link on the Facebook page to the PPA affiliate group page so people can get more information. Um, if there's anybody interested, if you are in your area and you don't have an affiliate group or a group of photographers that meets of pros that you can get together with and sort of have a local photography family, um, we're going to post the information on that onto the Facebook page. I think that's really cool. So that's and a it's great. It's so point. valuable. We talk it has about been this all for the me. Time, absolutely, it's so incredibly. Been. We, this, this podcast wouldn't exist if you and I hadn't joined local PPA groups. Mm-hmm. 
it's absolutely awesome um and i uh and fully recommend it but you know we could beat the beat the dead horse all we want about how much we think it's valuable but we'll just go ahead and if anybody's in your in your particular area and you're thinking of something that you might want to get involved in something like that we'll post a link with the information on the facebook page so you can check that out all right uh let's wrap this thing up and talk about what's coming up down the pike i am going to be in minneapolis st paul go to mnppa.com that's coming up uh, january february march april april 2nd that's how bad i can you do that if i just throw out a number at you can you tell me what month it is what month is five gary that is may they i I would have to go january february march may that's may yeah <laughs> that's how bad i am with that uh coming up also uh january february march april coming up also in april uh on the 17th I'll you really be have to do that yeah i do i really have to do it like i know my own like seven is july 11 is november i know some of them but if it's but some of them like you know i would know january one or two i would get instantly march i would probably get but once you get into like four or five four and five i don't remember i don't remember april and may you know right off the bat june and july i got no problem it's, I'm, I'm, I'm very weird. I'm a talented individual, Gary. Uh, coming up in <laughs> very uh, special. April 17th, I'll be in Tallahassee. Go to tppg.com. And June 5th, I will be at Mississippi, Alabama at PPMA. Go to PPMA. Uh, just Google that. And that is at Lake Point State Park Resort. That's going to be a full-day program of shooting on 5-Minute Photography. Uh, and that's it for me. What do you got? I have a couple of speaking dates coming up. I'm taking a couple of months off, to be honest with you. We've been really hitting it hard um lately with uh imaging and uh, photo pro expo wppi but coming up in june i'm getting back on the trail here um i'm looking at the calendar right now i have a, a program for uh in austin texas in june and also in san diego so it'll probably be on the uh 12th i think of june uh and the 19th of june i will be in san diego california for the san diego ppa given a uh, a short form class on the Monday night and an all day workshop the following day on Tuesday. And then the following week, I'll be in Austin, Texas, and I'll be speaking to the Austin PPA on the Monday night, the 19th. And so I have some more stuff coming up uh, probably after a little later in the summer, but that's what I got going on right now. So that'll be really cool. I'll have uh, links and stuff to more information as those get posted because those are still developing, but there's still plenty of time. All right. You can find us online at facebook.com slash photobombpodcast. You can find uh, my group, uh, facebook.com. Just uh, search for Pro Photo Talk with Boo Ray. You can find our website, which is photobombpodcast.com. You can send us emails, questions at photobombpodcast.com. You can also just send us direct messages straight through Facebook, which is the way that most people contact us nowadays. And that's about it. We'll see you next week. All right. See you later. (laughs) 